Hi, I'm Lyndon Ashby, and this is not another Team Wolf podcast. Yes, it is! Oh! Oh, we're chasing is the sunset. Got my mind on you. Doesn't matter where we are, 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 are. Doesn't matter where we are, are, are. Doesn't matter, no. If there's a moment when it's perfect. We'll cover names as the sun goes down Hey As the sun goes down Hi, everyone, and welcome to Not Another Teen Wolf podcast, episode number 135. Today, we're going to be talking about Teen Wolf season six, episode three, Sundowning. My name is Karen, and I'm joined by by Natalie. Hi Nat, how are you doing today? I'm good, I think. I'm just, I'm, I'm a little demure, it's quite early, but uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. For once, we're not recording super late my time or super early my time. I, I shouldn't say for once, we've done it this way before, but mm-hmm. it's like middle of the afternoon for me, I'm feeling pretty good. So yeah, not to rub that in or good anything. Good for you, good for you, Karen. <laughs> I'm okay, I'm alright. That's good. As usual, if you guys want to get in contact with us, you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at NATW Podcast or our email at NATW Podcast at gmail.com. And our Tumblr is noneotherteenwolfpodcast.com. So please check us out there. Leave us some feedback. We'll try to get in the swing of answering those things as usual. So the last couple of episodes, we haven't been able to talk much to people about the episodes because we didn't have the feedback due to when we saw the episodes. But now we're kind of in the live swing, so... I don't like it. <laughs> what, you don't like the live swing? I really like screeners. I'm super <laughs> lazy. Also, I have to recap Sweet Vicious right after Teen Wolf, and uh, my Tuesdays are very hectic. Yeah. So I I'm a little bitter. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, but well, it's fun. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to um, also add us on Facebook, you can do that. I just said this because I just got an alert that someone did, which was nice. You can follow us on Facebook at um, Facebook slash NATW podcast as well. Um, and we don't have too many followers over there, but the more people that follow, the more content I will post there because it's a it's a vicious cycle basically and uh yeah that, that's a new thing that we have after four years um to just uh, have the little facebook presence as well so yeah that is something that you can do um an atw podcast hub is the is the name of the page and you can find us there yes Please do. So jumping into this episode, Sundowning, uh, we're going to kick it off with some quotes. Which one was your favorite this week? Um, well, there was quite a lot uh, that I liked in terms of um, humor value. But one of the moments that struck me the most and kind of surprised me was um, Scott saying to Liam... Uh, after they kind of threw the party at his house in order to, like, quote-unquote, protect the girl, uh, Gwen, was Scott just kind of looks at him, Liam's like, you know, we we had the party here instead or something like that, and uh, 
Scott just kind of looks at him and says, who said you had to throw a party at all? And it's just this fantastic moment I found of... Teen Wolf has, you know, has its fair share of, of uh, you know, ridiculous teenage antics. You know, you have the, like, crazy, overblown parties that would just not be... I, I don't know any teenagers that really live like that, you know, like with the DJs and the strobe lights and stuff like that. Like, I didn't go to any parties like that in high school. Uh, you know, Derek's Halloween rave loft party and all of those kind of things. And you just kind of go with it, because Teen Wolf, they like to showcase the music and, and all of that. Uh, and I loved that this kind of... We see the party and we're kind of like, okay, I, I guess this is happening... I didn't expect the fact that it was weird to get called out, if you know what I mean. Because for as I'm watching it, basically, you know, that what happened is that they were meant to look for this girl at another party, and in order to protect her, they decided to kind of hijack the party planning and have the party thrown at Scott's house, which is protected. And Scott's just kind of like, why have you done this? Why didn't you just get her and not have a party in my house? I don't understand. And And, and it's kind of everything about Liam's plan, you see that he thinks he's had these fantastic ideas. And as soon as Scott said that, like, every other part of Liam's plan, like, starts falling apart. Like, that he realises that every step he's taken has been completely stupid. Like, you know, with what Corey did, bringing back the Ghost Rider, and now everyone at the party's going to be in trouble with the getting taken and everything. And it was just this real, like, real moment for me of... With this one sentence, it kind of brings this confidence and like, oh yeah, like everything, our plan's going so well, shattered, you know, shattering down. And it's not just the fact that there was a party, it's like everything that they've done was freaking stupid, basically. And I really enjoyed that for some reason. There were a couple of moments in this episode in particular, and even just in the season so far, that I feel like they, they're way more aware maybe not more aware than they used to be, but they're like pointing it out a bit more. And this, this season just feels real to me. It's, I don't know. It's really hard to describe. Maybe as we go along and more things are pointed out like that, it'll be easier to kind of pin it down. But yeah, I, I totally know where you're coming from. Mm. My favorite line was a funny one. And it was when they're all sort of in the area where Malia went back to as a coyote because she felt safe there. And Lydia's explaining to her mom that this is where Malia used to go before they started using the lake house to chain her up. Hmm. And Mrs. Martin says, uh, I thought you said a wild animal got in there. And Lydia just replies, just be happy about all the things I don't tell you. And it's so true. And it's like, I mean, you guys know that like, Mrs. Martin right now is not on my good list. I'm kind of annoyed with her. And I just like the shade that Lydia threw here. And also, it's completely true. Like, these kids have been through so much. And they tell their parents some things, but they don't know everything. And maybe that's a good thing that they don't. Um, yeah, this episode really painted Miss Martin as well as kind of... I think that they're purposely making her terrible, like, now. Like, especially after this episode with Malia and with her whole, like, you know, what she was saying to her there in that, you know, before Malia had her issues, um, was all very, like, 
you know, it's all very reminiscent of like some young yuppie being like, oh, have you tried yoga to people who are clinically depressed? That's what it kind of reminds <laughs> me of, if you know what I mean. That's yeah. the attitude that that she's kind of got. Uh, and I think that that's purposely what they're painting her as. And that's interesting because I never really got that from her before, but uh, I guess like, you know, we haven't seen her involved in the supernatural that much. And now that she is, it's a bit, yeah, it's, she's being a little bit terrible. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I think that it truly is like a defense mechanism because of everything that's been going on and she's being made more aware of what's happening. Mm. So like, I don't, I don't really want to hate on her or anything like that. I am annoyed with her right now, but I do see where she's coming from. And I'm hoping this is just sort of a reason for her to grow as a character later on and maybe come more into mm. the fold by the end of season six. Mm. Uh, This episode was written by our friend Will, and we're very excited about it. And I wanted to know what you thought of the overall episode, because I thought it was a really another really solid one. I feel like this season so far is moving. I don't want to say slow because I feel like that has a negative connotation, but it's taking its time to explore the intricacies of the mythology and the story and the characters and their growth. Mm. And sometimes Teen Wolf can feel a little rushed because they do pack so much into the episodes. And I like that. I like high action stuff. But so far this season has been very specific in the way that they're presenting things. And this episode as well felt just like that, fell right in line. And I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah. Um, you, you put that very nicely. So yes, I'll just agree. Um, I, I do think it is, uh, yeah, is slow at the moment, but I don't necessarily think that is a bad thing. And I, I've never found that a bad thing in, in the television I watch. I watch a lot of period dramas, like, you know, like I'm, I'm totally fine with slow. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I really, you know, it's. I think that they're facing, you know, something that can't be rushed. Basically, the problem that they currently have is not really one that can be rushed because they don't know what the hell's going on. Like, it's not like, oh my god, we've got to get in there before it's too late. They literally don't know what they're doing. So, I think that it makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And at the top of the episode, we see Mr. Douglas again. He's kind of got this habit of starting the episodes off with us lately. (laughs) And uh, it's pretty interesting. He's talking about the power of electricity, and he creates an electromagnet to do an experiment in class. And this is so interesting to me because everything he says has a double meaning. He, He talks about... The greater the power, the greater the control. He talks about the fact that lightning can provide the most power. He talks about um, power allowing you to have um, more, not only more control, I think, over like yourself, but other people and all these things he's saying. He's talking about the electromagnet, but he's totally not talking about the electromagnet. And it's very concerning to me. It is it is very ominous. And the fact that the ghost riders and even Kira, like I'm not I don't necessarily think Kira's gonna come back into the fold because we know that Arden Cho is 
returning for season six, but the idea that he's talking about lightning bolts, that we've seen Lydia be struck by lightning in one of her visions, the ghost riders are connected to the weather. All of that feels connected now, and I have a feeling that maybe he's there because the wild hunt is there, and somehow these two storylines, which feel very separate right now, are going to come together in a big way, and like, it's got me worried. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they can't not be connected. You know, like, I feel like they can't have... I'm trying to think if they've had... If we've had uh, any, um, you know, any plots, uh, big, any big um, villains that were really not connected in any way to each other in the same season. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, double, you know, double ups. What do you reckon? No, I think you're probably right. And even if even if they're not necessarily connected, the fact that they're both there together hmm. is going to make things more complicated. I mean, even when we had, like, for example, the Kanama and Gerard, the Kanama was the big thing for the whole season, and then that sort of stopped when Gerard took over. So I wouldn't say that they were necessarily connected. They fed into each other in a way and by the end it did kind of come together but yeah I mean I I have a feeling that all these elements are going to line up and it's going to make for a pretty big mid-season finale or a finale depending on where they intend to go with it yeah um I'm still I still like see no way in which these people could be connected at all um However, the discussion of the um, the light, uh, not the lightning, the, the electromagnet, the power and stuff like that, you know, it was incredibly bitter, I found, the tone that, in which he was mm-hmm. speaking about. And I don't know if it's just going to, you know, just electricity, but, you know, the, what he's talking about with power in general and how, like, you know, something means nothing and then you add, like, power and then it can control, like, all of that kind of stuff. I'm like, he he sounds very bitter about that, so I assume he's going to be attempting some power pretty soon. Yeah, and I wonder, I definitely picked up on the bitter thing, and I wonder if it, what it has to do with specifically, like, is he just talking about power? Is he remembering the Dread Doctors? Because we do see flashbacks to him escaping the tank, which was, like, very disgusting, by the way, but also kind of cool. And the magnet was, like, making him cough. And I was wondering if he was having a panic attack as he was remembering this or if it was a trigger of some sort. I'm not really sure, like, what we were supposed to get out of that. Yeah, I don't know. It's really strange because, yes, he did certainly have start having that reaction, Uh you know, seemingly in response to what they were doing. And it did seem like it was like a panic attack or triggering some memories. And I don't know whether that's, that was totally a mental thing, if you know what I mean, like totally just a literal, you know, panic flashback, or if there was something actual physiological going on with um, the electricity affecting his body or his brain or something like that the electromagnet but either way yeah he kind of um was having those memories do you do you think that up until this point he like 
know, knows who he is or like remembers because we obviously learn that he's been doing the what he's been doing throughout the episode. But like, do you think he's fully aware of his in facilities? I assume that he is if he kind of like you know cleaned himself up and got a job at the school and stuff. Or, yeah, <laughs> or is he taking yeah, over totally... someone else's life? I don't know. Like, that's a good question. I assume like he definitely knows who he is. I assume that he's, I mean, obviously crazy because he's attacking people, but he's got a mission and he's carrying out that mission with a lot of purpose. So I feel like he's all there upstairs. He's just not a good dude. Yeah, it's possible. And we also see that he's been orchestrating the stealing of the helium from the hospital, which is also very interesting and a nice little like tie up to that plot point there. And if you guys remember in episode two, Parrish says that hospitals use helium for heliox therapy to help respiratory injuries caused by fires and explosions. Okay. And I wonder if that is connected to what happened to him when he was captured or if he's using it for a different reason, considering he's a werewolf and all of that, because it's kind of strange. Werewolves heal rapidly and he is an alpha werewolf and he is apparently very powerful and yet he still has this weakness. So I find that very interesting. I mean, he was in a slime tank for 70 years. So yes. (laughs) Yeah. There's that. Maybe like again, like you know, we had that sort of with Peter in that he was very badly um, damaged, and it took him a long time to fully heal from his burns. So perhaps there's like a level that you reach that's like too too much or something like that. Too true. Much burn. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Interesting. Uh, Going back to Malia now, during her makeup test, um, this was not surprising because we know that she's been struggling with keeping her powers in check since Styles has left, was kidnapped. Um, But she does freak out and sort of go full coyote. And Mrs. Martin witnesses it, and she's not shocked. We We know that she is aware of the supernatural, but... I don't, I still don't understand why she's so adamant that like nothing is going on in Beacon Hills or she's so complacent with turning her head the other way when she sees these things happening right in front of her. Yeah, I don't know if it's like, you know, feigning ignorance, but she doesn't seem to be in touch with reality like at all. Like about, she knows these things are real. But she does not seem to understand the consequences or anything like that. It's very odd. Yeah, it's almost like she doesn't take it seriously enough, but she knows people have died. She knows what's been going on, or even if she doesn't know the details, she's she's a smart lady. Like, she can kind of figure it out, and the fact that she is so complacent with... Staying in ignorance is surprising to me, but like I said before, I don't want to harp on her too much because I'm really hoping that this will come back and and it'll serve its purpose and it'll be fulfilling when we get to the end of 
her arc for this season. Mm, yeah. But what I really want to talk about right now is Sheriff Stolinski and his father, because we learn a lot about the Stolinskis in this episode. And this was really cool. Um, we learned that Styles is a family nickname and that Sheriff Stolinski's father, Elias, used to go by it. Um, so that kind of triggers Scott, Lydia, and Malia to kind of start walking down that path and start figuring out, okay, Styles, you know, it's not like a bunch of steps or whatever they were <laughs> looking up earlier. Yeah. That was so funny. Lydia was like, I don't think this is what we're looking for. And they figure out that it has something to do with the Stilinskis. So they learned that Elias was an army engineer and now lives in a nursing home a few towns over. But the sheriff explicitly forbids Scott from talking to him. And I was wondering at this point if you had picked up on the fact that he, first of all, had dementia, but also if you had any inkling that he was also abusive. The abusive, no. I kind of got spoiled for both of these things on Twitter. Like, I didn't watch live. Uh, and I think on the on the, uh, on the the feed of tweets that I saw, I saw sort of one thing vaguely saying, it might have even been one of our tweets, like saying, why couldn't have you just told him that he, you know, Scott, that he had depended to, like, save him going there? And then another one that was, like, saying something like, oh, is that woman meant to be, um, you know, the other styles as abused wife or something. So I kind of, but I wasn't sure if I, the, the dementia thing I knew was coming. The abuse thing, I thought maybe that'd been mixed up because the, then st the, the other styles mentions like Scott's dad. And I'm like, Oh, maybe that was the abusive dad that they were talking about or something like that. Because Scott's dad's not great. Uh, what a time that was for us when he was around. Um, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then I realized that it did, like, when, it still very much surprised me when Stolinski showed him that scar at the end and, like, the that conversation did actually take me quite a lot by surprise. And I'm curious as to whether this is true in all universes, if you know what I mean. Like, if this is actually the truth of this man's life in the normal Teen Wolf universe as well. Because I'm going to say yes, just because of the dream slash memory that the sheriff has. Mm. He he knew in that reality that his father wasn't a good father. So I'm going to say, yeah, this is probably like a thing that kind of just stayed the same. See, my um, question there is like, then in that case, why would they allow their son to get called Styles? Because the whole thing is that they want to name it the weird name after Claudia's parents mm -hmm. for those reasons. So if, if the, if that Styles was that bad, why would they want, like, you know, why would they go with that as well? Like, why would they allow Styles to be used for him? If that's the, the name that they identify with their father, you know, with John's, uh, with the sheriff's father. Probably because Styles himself wanted, <laughs> did not, not want to go by his first name. Yeah. And maybe it's like a reclaiming thing, mm. um, which would actually be kind of nice. No, I don't know. I'm very confused as to whether this is actually the truth of every universe, that this is what this man was like. Um, and, you know, whether in this universe, you know, in, in our real universe, whether Styles knows about it, like all of that kind of thing. So... 
Yeah, how about you? Did you have any kind of... How, how did you react to those uh, uh, reveals about him then? I was really not surprised at all. I don't know why. I think it was just the way that the sheriff was getting so mm. angry about it. He doesn't get angry very often. Not like that. You know, he gets annoyed. He gets kind of pissed off. But he doesn't get mean. He doesn't shut down. And he was definitely shutting Scott down there. And the fact that he was like, it's not going to help for you to talk to him. And the fact that he was so angry about the idea of Scott going to talk to him, I just kind of knew. But that didn't make the reveal any less, like, awful. I still felt really bad when the sheriff was talking about what had happened to him and his wife and all of that. So it was, yeah, it was still impactful for me but i wasn't necessarily surprised fair fair i was more surprised by the abuse than the dementia i i kind of yeah thought that i kind of knew the dementia was coming but i, I think that you know the, the fact that he didn't actually spell it out was a little counterproductive but there was clearly a lot of damage there for him as well you know right yes exactly now, while they're at the house, Lydia ends up seeing an old lady walk through the room, and nobody else can see her. So this is clearly, it must be tied to Lydia's banshee powers. And the woman says, the following stops have been canceled, and we hear the sound of a train again. And then she goes and stands in front of a wall. And I noticed in next week's preview, we see Lydia peeling the wallpaper away before Claudia stops her. So my guess is that Styles' room is on the other side. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. But what, who do you think the old lady is? Do you think she's anyone specific or do you think, well, you know, she's random? I don't know. We really haven't had, um, we've really had like the, the doctor seemed random. Mm. Like we don't seem to know who she is. So maybe yeah. it's just other banshees i don't know um it's a bit bit confusing and what do you think it means by the following stops stops have been canceled especially i have because she... no idea i've been <laughs> trying to think and i was just like i don't i don't get this at all like i'm i was i'm just like i, I was trying to think what context this could possibly have and and i just can't do you have any theories no, it seems it seems contradictory almost because she says the following stops have been canceled and she walks in front of what I'm assuming is Styles' room. So that means the train is not going to pick up Styles. But my assumption, and again, I could be wrong, but my assumption so far has been that the train and the train station has to do with this limbo that everybody is in and that the ghost riders take them there. So why is the stop canceled if he's been picked up? I'm putting that in air quotes. So it's, I don't know, it's confusing to me, but it all seems very related and... They're doing a really good job of weaving this into every episode without giving us too much, but with still providing these little clues each step of the way. And like we said back in the pilot, picking up those little clues and trying to figure them out has been really exciting so far. So I'm definitely enjoying it, but also like, 
I just want the answers. <laughs> Nothing about the train makes sense to me, so I don't know. Yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see on that one, I guess. Hmm. But going against everything the sheriff said, Scott, Lydia, and Malia go meet Mr. Stolinski. Uh, and I just have to pause here once again to shout out Shelly Hennig as Malia oh my God, because I screamed out loud when she slammed <laughs> his head. I was just like, "Whoa!" to uh, like like louder than I just did just then. Um, I had a couple of pretty loud shouting reactions in this episode, actually, which again is not that usual for me. Uh, but oh my God, she's unbelievable. Um, it's so. So, so funny and so good. But, yeah. It <laughs> yeah. It was so great. She's so good at putting all of Malia's emotions on her face. You have no trouble. I mean, Malia just says what she thinks anyway, but you have no trouble seeing what she's thinking, too. And, yeah, she just... The way that she is so matter-of-fact, I really love that about her character and I don't think we see enough characters like that. A lot of people, a lot of characters on television, for example, tend to, you know, they've always got their secrets to hide. And I'm not saying there aren't any characters out there who are very honest and open and straightforward, because of course there is. But it's so refreshing and different for me. And I just really love it. And I think that I'm going to miss Malia a lot more than I thought I would once oh, Team Wolf is over. Yeah. But I another thing that I really like so far this season is that we keep visiting new places, new sets. We're yeah, going outside true. of the high school. Um, and honestly, it makes season six feel new and fresh to me. And I think that's really important to have in the final season. And it just puts the kids in different situations. And it it feels different like it's hard to explain but it just gives it something new that I think Teen Wolf really needs at this point because we have been here for six seasons we want to see new things and the fact that we're going out to different sets and seeing new places is really exciting do you think that that's anything to do with them changing like studio lots like changing their actual filming so they, they would have had to rebuild some stuff to, to look the same but you know we know for a fact that you know when they were at uh the old set that they could use some of the exteriors of for example that existing building to to create shots that they use a lot and now they don't have that existing building they either have to rebuild that those existing shots from scratch or come up with brand new ones and they've sort of done new ones if you know what I mean like you can't pull up yeah. in front of the hospital anymore because that is the actual building right I think it probably has something to do with that too but I think the story itself is just taking them yeah. to other places so it's it probably goes hand in hand but anyway, getting back to the point of the scene, um, we do meet Mr. Stalinsky, and we learn that sundowning, the title of the episode, is when a, a dementia patient loses all their faculties after the sun goes down. Mm -hmm. Except that does happen at first, but you know what? At first, I didn't actually put this in the doc, but I rewatched this episode, 
and noticed that they were talking about all of the math equations helping calm dementia patients down. Did those feel significant to you or did they feel like a throwaway thing? I I don't know. I kind of just thought him and Lydia were bonding over math. Like, uh, I really was, like, uh, a bit confused about that, but it could be. I don't know. As I've said earlier, I think that the something about the um, Ghost Rider's power seems very scientific, like, seems very, like... As, mm-hmm. as I said, like glitchy, like kind of like a computer glitch kind of situation. So it, you know, and, and there's been already talked uh, this season about like, you know, physics principles. So it could be significant, but I found it, yeah, just a little odd and I'm not sure. Yeah, it, it feels significant to me, but I can't tell you why. Um, I mean, I think like, for me, it feels significant because they spent so much time going through the equations and naming them and that sort of thing. But I don't understand the equations. Like, that was all gibberish to me. Yeah. So I can't tell you if it has the significance of the story of the plot, like the science of it. Um, but I'll be interested to see if that comes full circle. Yeah. But after that, we see Mr. Stalinsky revert to his real self, who is... Not a nice guy. He is quite mean. He recognizes Scott. He knows that his father was basically a serial cheater. Mm. Um, He said every time a pretty girl walked by, his ring disappeared like magic. That's not necessarily something we knew before, right? No, not not in those words. No, I don't think so. We had speculated that, you know, he wasn't necessarily, like, the best husband. We obviously got some evidence that he wasn't, but Mm. um, that was, that felt like new information to me. And um, Elias also says that Mrs. Martin was a know-it-all, so he kind of recognizes Lydia to be Natalie's daughter, Mm. and he's, he doesn't pull any punches, and when the sheriff shows up to take them all away... He yells to his son, go crawling back to your dead wife and your loser son. And first of all, awful, awful, awful thing to say to your child. But clearly, Elias remembers something that they don't. He remembers the true reality. He knows Claudia is dead and Styles had existed, but nobody else does. I assume this is tied to the dementia. Yeah. But I don't know how that works. No, that's a very odd thing to kind of have, uh, you know, that if this is like people who can see the the truth of the situation, um, perhaps, perhaps is dementia isn't real dementia. Perhaps it's something, you know, he's been affected by something supernatural, or perhaps it is to do with the de- real dementia, and it's just that they are. Um, you know, because their mind isn't right, it's not able to be manipulated because it's not the standard blueprint or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I could see both, actually. Hmm. Uh, But the other thing is, and I didn't catch this the first time I watched the episode until I saw it on Twitter and then I rewatched it. theory, theory, theory. Okay. That the reason that he's like this is because... Because he remembers the truth, perhaps perhaps in the real universe he's not this terrible, 
And in this universe, I mean, he remembers the truth and that it was that fact that he kept saying that, you know, like, Claudia was dead and that, you know, he had a, you know, Stalinsky had a son. They were like, you know, oh, he's got dementia. He's remembering stuff wrong. Perhaps he's not remembering. That's the re, you know, what if that is the reason that they think he has dementia and that the reason that he's so out of it when, you know, they at this point is because he's medicated unnecessarily, if you know what I mean. Just a theory. (laughs) If that makes sense. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if he could have been affected Mm. for some reason. I don't know. There's so much still that we don't know yet, but it's hard to to even begin to speculate. Mm. Lots of theories. Uh, but yeah, we we hear that the sheriff's first name is Noah in this episode. I missed it the first time around. <laughs> I saw it on Twitter and then went back and actually realized that Elias had said it twice. But Sheriff Noah Stilinski, it's canon. It's official. How do you feel? It really doesn't bother me. I never really gave it much thought besides <laughs> from, like, I don't know. I was never hung up on it in the way that some people are. It's not necessarily what I would have expected, but it doesn't bother me at all. Um, it's it's a little it's a little trendy. Not trendy, but it, it's, it's not quite the name I would have expected for him. Uh, and yeah. It's, it's not, and it's also not strictly a Jewish name, but it is... an Old Testament biblical name so it's quite a common Jewish name so I'm wondering if the Stalinskys are meant to be Jewish which is obviously an element that they they never really play in you know Christmas or holidays or any religion into Teen Wolf at all but that's something that could possibly be a thing Um, uh, certainly lots of Eastern European Jews like Stalinsky is a name that could fit there but um yeah, it's it's all good. I, I'm not bothered. It's fine. It's not quite what... Like, if I had to put it on paper, I would have gone something a bit, like, a bit more basic. Like, I would have assumed it was something, like, pretty plain. And Noah has a slight element of, of you know, it's, it's next level up in terms of fanciness um, in, in names, but... I never had, like, I was never going to, like, you know, cry over it. So it's all good. (laughs) Yeah, there's, I wrote an article earlier today, if anybody wants to check it out, about the fact that it was revealed, because I feel like some people might have missed that. But also, I've been seeing a lot of talk about people being a little upset about it, because, first of all, the fandom has sort of adopted John as the sheriff's first name. And they've been using it in fan fiction for a long, long time. And it's sort of become like an unofficial canon for everybody. And when they didn't use John in the show, some people were like, oh, you know, they're just, they don't want to offer anything to the fandom. They don't want to acknowledge the fandom or what, you know, they've created because of this show. I definitely don't see it that way. I understand that some people do, especially fanfic writers who have been using it for so long. I also think that you have to keep in mind that if they take things from fandom, that can get messy. So I actually really like the name Noah. I think it it fits him. I understand what you were saying about like a little more plain, but thinking about it more and more, I just, it's a nice name. I like it. It works for me. Yeah. And it's, 
it's a hundred percent fine, and I certainly don't think that it's like a like a screw you to the fandom. Like that's a very interesting mindset to take if that's where people have gone with it. That 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 that's their how they feel about you know relating to the show, like or or or, or what they think people's motivations are. That like it's really. Um, you know, it's really strange that 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 people would have any kind of malicious motivation. Lyndon tweeted about it, you know, saying that it, you know, he's kept that secret for a very long time. So this could have been his name for a very long time, for years and years and years, on paper. That when the character was created, they knew that that was his name, and for some reason, they just never revealed it. Maybe, like, again, when they created Styles, if they knew the name, maybe they're like, hey, we know these Stalinsky men's names, but we're just never going to say them, and then one day we'll say them. <laughs> they could have existed the whole time, and, you know, that's always been as true for the creators and for Lyndon as, you know, anything in fanfiction is for... um anyone else. I remember this drama for like a season and a half, I mean this has been longer than that, of Glee when Darren's character, like when Blaine didn't have a last name uh, and oh my mm. god when he finally got one people like, you know the, like the they weren't like, I don't think they were like screw you to the show because they were never no one ever actually expected Glee to, to care about their fans. Uh, or, or do anything <laughs> like that. But there was certainly, like, yeah, people who, ah, he'll, it'll never be true for me, you know, that kind of thing. So whatever yeah. happens. And, I mean, that's the great thing about fan fiction, too, is you can keep, you know, the name that you've established if that's your thing because people have been using different things for a while. John isn't the only one that was out there uh, because we never did know. But I don't know. I like it. Listeners, let us know what you think, whether you're you're into it or not. Or maybe you don't care. Maybe it doesn't matter because it's just his first name and it has no impact on the story. Um, but moving on into a big part of this episode um, that we weren't really talking about before, but we meet Gwen at the school. She's the only one that remembers her sister, Phoebe. Nobody else remembers her. And so it's clear that Phoebe has been taken by the Ghost Riders, and it's also clear that because Gwen saw a Ghost Rider, she is next. So the young pack members need to keep her safe, and what's safer than Mama McCall's house, which is infused with mountain ash, and all they have to do is close off the doorways and everyone will be safe. Or so they think. The Ghost Riders end up entering the house anyway, and I was wondering why that worked because either my theory is it's either a dimensional thing because we were talking about how it looks like they destroy things but they don't really so maybe they exist on a different plane or because they're invisible they can cross mountain ash versus when they are visible like when Corey makes the ghost rider visible he's unable to cross the mountain ash once mason lays it in front of him so the thing about the invisibility is that I think it's more than just invisibility. I don't think it's that simple. It's not it, – it is cross-dimensional, I think, because they can move 
through the world without being seen, and then it's like it's like there are different layers in the universe or something like that, and and what Corey is able to do is see between the layers and then bring it back to our layer. I don't think it's just invisibility. So I do think it's gonna gotta be something to do with the cross dimensional. Um, I'm also a bit confused by like the Mount Nash house, whether the Mount Nash works on li- literally every supernatural creature, how Scott manages to like get in and out as he constantly feels slightly ill in his own house. Like what's the what's the deal with the Mount Nash in terms of restricting uh, Scott and like you know li- Liam's able to enter the house? Is it just that they can't use their powers? I think, well, unless they close off the doorways, then they can move in and out just fine. Mountain Ash, does Mountain Ash make them feel ill, or is that just Wolfsbane? Uh, well, what does Mountain Ash do? Why was, you know, Gerard screaming about it? If he, you know, Mountain Ash, what what does it do exactly? I mean, I I would assume if you ingest it, it would make you feel ill, Um, like a lot of things in life. But that doesn't necessarily mean being around it would make you feel sick. Um, I mean, it's meant to kind of, you know, weaken them, I guess, like that they can't use their powers. Maybe. It encloses them. It's a barrier. It stops them. But I don't think it weakens them, per se. Like, again, if you ingest it, I think it does. But if it's just around you... Like, Deaton always used it in the vet's office because once he closed that door... It was like a bubble. Yeah. So I think it's just a barrier. Wow. The Teen Wolf wiki says... Teen Wolf creator Jeff Davis is called Mountain Ash Magic, but the mechanism through which it exerts power is unclear. Well, okay. Um, blocks and exhibits control over werewolves and other supernatural creatures. Sure, we'll just go with that. Um, anyway, I think the more important thing is that the, uh, the, the Ghost Rider, yeah, is, is able to travel wherever he likes through another dimension. It's kind of like He's in the, he's like backstage to the universe, if you know what I mean. He's able to cross wherever he likes yeah. when it's not actually in this reality. I was I the only one that felt like a little bit sorry for him when he got brought into the party? He looked very confused. <laughs> He did. Uh, okay, for like a half a second, I was like, oh man, like everybody's looking at him now. He looks like he's like, he just wants to crawl back into a corner or yeah. something. <laughs> I felt bad. Um, so kudos to whoever's <laughs> under that mask because like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I felt something there of like, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, shock, threatening. It felt like there was something a little more complex there of like... Yeah. Well, imagine living pretty much your whole existence invisible, then all of a sudden everybody in the room can see you. Yeah. Like, that would be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ghost Rider. <laughs> uh, 
Corey in this episode was once again great. Man, I'm really getting on board the Corey train. I'm just I really glad like it's him. a plot. I'm just glad it is yes. an actual plot point. And I feel like, you know, Will listens to these episodes. He's clearly taken our advice. Like, you know, like he's, because uh, Corey in this episode says, yes, of course, I'm going to take credit for this. Obviously, it's due to us. Um, yeah, spoiler alert, it's not due to us. But um, the fact that he says, um, you know, like he says to Mason, you know, I'm, I I can't fight like Liam. Like, he, but not, not even like, I don't have the capabilities Liam has. He kind of like, I don't know if I can stand up, like, and be that brave, you know, like, or whatever. And they're all like, we believe in you. And then he... Uh, manages to grab the Ghost Rider, even though this was ultimately a very stupid idea. He did his part in the plan yes. that they, you know, that they made, uh, which was good. It's just that Scott came in and was like, "What the hell have you all done? Why, why was this the plan?" So yeah, yeah, and you know. Even though it was a mistake what they did in the end, and it will have pretty terrible consequences, I feel like the fact that they were proactive about the whole situation, but also that Corey was proactive, that he tried something new, that we found out something new about his powers, that he can make them visible, is really cool. And also, he did try fighting. He totally got his ass handed to him and got thrown through the staircase. <laughs> but he tried fighting, and I feel like that is huge for him and his relationship with the other pack members. It is, and I kind of wonder what it is that like that made them decide to keep this character, you know, around and, and give him this development, and whether this was planned the whole time. Because I remember this actor, Michael Johnston right from the word go was very active with the other cast members like in social media they seemed to like i feel like you know no matter what we thought of Corey, that he was a, a, a good fit with the the cast members because they were really talking about him a lot like and i was kind of like why this kid like because there were so many chimeras you know last season so many random n- noobs uh this one yeah, they were always talking about him, so perhaps he became a friend very quickly and, and, and fit in on set very well, and now that he has a real story, which is nice for him. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's pretty cool, and I'm excited to see where they go with him now. Uh, so all of that doesn't really work, but Parrish comes in oh, to save the day, and Parrish. he does try shooting... <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful parish. Well, well, I was watching this, right, in my living room, and Leo was in the kitchen, and he was doing his thing, like, you know, Parrish comes in and he says his stuff to the Ghost Rider, and Leo was like, I don't know, she said something, made some Captain America reference, or was like, four for you, Parrish, and I'm like, oh my god, because Leo does not watch Teen Wolf religiously, and I was like, do you know his voice from from just that? Did you know that was Parrish? And she was like, uh, basically like, yeah, who else would it be? It was someone being noble and he sounded young. So, um, yeah. But anyway, so Parrish's, um, you know, beautiful nobility is recognized far and wide from across my house, at least. So, yeah. As it should be, because (laughs) he is beautiful and brave and noble. Um, but yeah, he tries shooting the Ghost Rider, doesn't do anything. Ghost Rider comes right up to him and makes himself disappear. He's clearly afraid of Parrish, 
this slightly confuses me because in the myths about the wild hunt, the ghost riders and the hellhounds work together as part of the, the, the wild hunt, the riders, like the hounds are the dogs and the riders are the huntsmen. Yeah. And so they're working together to chase down the souls here. It seems like maybe they're on opposite sides. It's, well, kind of confusing, be... but like I'm, I like it. I like the idea that it could be different. I mean, Parrish's whole thing is like you know we've talked before about like you know whether he is in- intrinsically bad or not because so much of his Parrish's power w- was not in his conscious control, and um, we've talked about whether he is you know whether he is intrinsically good or whether he gets to just choose what he does with his powers. Whether he is like, you know, whether his hellhoundness is the equivalent of being like a vampire, you know, and we know that the vampire, you know, not in this universe, but like the vampires are intrinsically evil and then it has to be a real choice to go against like the nature of what the supernatural being is or whatever. We don't know like how bad a hellhound is on a scale of like one to bad, you know, Um, but I would say this, the ghost rider, if they do, if that part of the mythology is real for this universe um ghost rider would actually know better than anyone else what parish is capable of like what a hellhound is capable of probably know it better than parish knows it himself so you know if he's being threatened by a strange hellhound like you know one that is not necessarily on his side the this is the ghost rider the ghost rider probably knows better than most that the hellhound what the hellhound could do so that is my take on that. Yeah, that is that's a good point. And the way that they squared off, I mean, Parrish obviously doesn't know. He was just trying to stop a bad yeah, guy. But the Ghost Rider, he knows. He knows something. And that I, I'm excited to learn more about the Hellhounds because we've gotten some information. Obviously, last season had a lot to do with that, and it kind of came to a head with the Beast, but the idea that there's more here, uh, more to explore with Parrish and his powers is really exciting, because we love Parrish, and Ryan Kelly is really good at playing him, and uh, I definitely want to see more of him on my screen. But the end result is that Gwen is safe for now, except everybody at the party saw the Ghost Rider, including all of the young members of the pack. So things are about to get pretty bad, I would imagine. I remember seeing in one of the trailers, Lydia, I think it was Lydia and Scott, maybe it was Lydia, Scott, and Malia, walking through Beacon Hills, and just everything was deserted. And I'm like, this is the beginning of that, isn't it? Because if all these kids disappear and maybe their family members see them disappear and they disappear too, like it's going to lead to a pretty empty Beacon Hills. Yeah. If it's like groups disappearing en masse, that would be really, really noticeable, you know, like if it starts being like half the school is empty or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. How do you explain that away <laughs> if half the school's empty? I don't know. Question mark. Um, they're just like, oh, yeah, we downsized. I don't know. So many people have moved away. We need to do uh, better with our outreach program. 
Yeah. <laughs> I guess the houses must be cheap there now, so, yeah. True, true. I wouldn't want to move to Beacon Hills. <laughs> Unless I was a werewolf. Uh, okay, so after the party, Sheriff Solinsky stops by Scott's and helps him pick up. And we, which I thought was actually a really cute scene. Scott was like, I need to pick this up before my mom comes home. And then rather than the sheriff being like, I'm going to tell your mother anyway, he's like, yeah, I'll help you. <laughs> it was it was just nice. But this is where we see the sheriff admit that his father was abusive, yeah. um, which was a pretty heavy scene, but really well done, I think. Yeah, it was it was shocking, um, you know, and and you know, you've asked like before, like, oh, what will it mean if Styles is gone? What will it mean about Sheriff's relationship with Scott? It seems like it's funny because it seems it's still there a bit, like, and he, the sheriff knows about the supernatural still, so it clearly at some point, like, it's all come out, you know, the, all of the trouble that's gone on in the town that he knows about this group of kids, if you know what I mean. Like, and, and that's something that they talk about with Claudia. Uh, she talks, he, he talks about with Claudia, which we'll talk about in a moment. So clearly at some point, like, he, he's had to kind of deal with this pesky group of supernatural kids. It's just that his son isn't one of them, if you know what I mean. Like, but it's, it's clearly come out at some point and they have this secret connection. So uh, that, that's kind of interesting to, to think about, given that Styles is not there. Uh, but it's nice that the uh, that Scott and the sheriff could still be somewhat intimate there, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. We also get the sheriff telling Scott about this dream he had. The dream was so vivid it feels like a memory. Of course, we know it was a memory. He's telling Claudia that if they have a son, he wants to name it after her father because his father was kind of crappy. Claudia agrees, but says that it doesn't matter because everyone will just call him Styles anyway, and we've kind of talked about it already. Um, I got mad during this scene because I thought, I thought we were going to learn Styles' name, but I should have realized, I mean, the first time I watched it, I didn't know that we had found out Sheriff Stolinski's name, but there was no way they were going to give us both in the same episode. So, um, but yeah, that... This was just like little heartbreaks after little heartbreaks in this scene because it's so sad that they kind of realize, I think Sheriff realizes less than Scott does, but the look on Scott's face, it's obvious he's starting to put the pieces together and he's wondering if Styles was this real person who was his best friend, but also maybe the Sheriff's son. I don't know. It's it's really. It, there are so many pieces that are um, obviously right there. If you know what I mean, like there are so many things that are just not making sense, uh, or that are should be big triggers for hey, this is something is not right. And we've already seen in the trailer that like Stalinsky's not that happy about being told that he has to believe in styles you know so i'm i'm wondering what it's going to take for him to actually get there like how much of this it's going to take to get to get there yeah i mean imagine though that like 
he believes that he's been with his wife this whole time to find out that she's dead, that he has a son that he doesn't even remember that he doesn't even miss. Like, even if he believes it could be true, he's not going to want it to be true in a lot of ways. And you can't even fault him for that, but it's your whole world turning upside down. And so I, I'm not surprised at all that he gets really angry. But speaking of uh, Claudia though, this present day Claudia, I'm, I don't trust her. She has no regrets over not having a son. She is clearly there to, as a plant of some sort, to kind of keep the sheriff from questioning things too much. And I think also to kind of keep an eye on everybody else too, maybe, because in the trailer we see Lydia peeling the wallpaper and Claudia is the one to stop her. And she's being the most resistant or the most different, I think, out of this whole situation. And that is, I, I'm still trying to figure out if she's a real person or if she's, she's not imaginary in the sense that like nobody can see her because multiple people have been interacting with her. But it's, it's a lot to try to take in and figure out. But yeah, bottom line, don't trust her. And presumably at some point, you know, Stalinsky will have to do this whole thing of, like, choosing, like, he'll have to choose the universe, if you know what I mean. It will come, I think it will come down to him to make the call over whether we want to keep this universe or whether we want to get the universe back with the other people, if you know what I mean. Uh, and for, Or at least for him, that would be yeah. a, unless they discover earlier than that that Claudia is not real, if you know what I mean. So, um... I don't know. So you, you do think now that she is a, a some sort of thing kind of placed there in order to validate him as opposed to just a natural progression of, of the universe without styles. Yeah, because it doesn't really make sense that, that that would be altered in that way because just because styles is gone doesn't mean that it changes the timeline. But on top of that, she every instance we see her she has said something to either oppose Scott and the pack to keep them from finding things out or to reassure the sheriff that everything is normal and fine. Yeah. It's just too convenient. No one, no other disappearing people have had like a a replacement show up, if you know what I mean. Like it's not... It's not normal. I think that it is definitely a purposeful deflection to stop him believing. Yeah, and goes to show you how important Styles is and how much of an impact he's had on everyone's lives. If the Ghost Riders, or maybe not even the Ghost Riders, maybe the the person because they're supposed to be a leader of the Ghost Riders, and I'm wondering if that's mm. going to pop up at some point. If that person, or if just the universe is a collective being has put this there because Styles is so important and they have to kind of balance things out to make sure that nobody asks too many questions. Except clearly that's not working. So. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> Do you think she, she, maybe she, maybe it's her. Maybe. Like masquerading, you know? Maybe she's like, I have to go and do this important job on Earth. You know, she's yeah. like, you know... She's the mastermind behind it all. 
That would be kind of interesting, actually. Mm. All right. Let's wrap up this episode with something (laughs) really weird, but kind of amazing. Mm. We see Chris again. Chris shows up, which was awesome. Grief beard and all. He looks amazing, as he always does. Oh, it's beautiful. And Nat and I are on the same page. I don't know about anybody else, but like weirdly shipping Chris and Melissa throughout this episode yeah it's it's interesting because i never necessarily got that from them before nope but it's clearly very well orchestrated to be like okay so in this universe sheriff and melissa never would have had that particularly uh bond you know they never would have grown up uh you know kids grown up together both single parents you know both been there through the loss of each other's spouse they never would have had their comfortable dynamic that they have so that does not exist in this universe. However, Scott possibly did date Allison in this universe. Possibly Allison was real and she died and, you know, the families had to go through that. Uh, and so Chris has become a part of Scott's life, you know, in the same way that he is now. But because her and Sheriff aren't, like, being single and awkwardly making eyes at each other... Uh, it seems that, that her relationship with Chris is a little bit more charged, and that, and I feel it immediately, and it's not like, and I don't feel like it's like, oh, we haven't noticed this before. It was not there before because the universe was different. So I think it's very well crafted, but oh, it's really hot. It's like, oh, I really like them together, and it's like, oh, if Sheriff, Sheriff hadn't been around before, maybe they would have been like this, before, you know, as well. And yeah, I don't know, like immediately, I, I. Sheriff and Melissa. They're very nice and comfortable and stuff, but I was never like, ooh, fire, like this. This was just like, I was like, yeah, go. Go, you two. So that was interesting. Um, I don't know how Scott would feel about his mum dating his dead girlfriend's father, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And again, he's involved in their lives with the supernatural, so presumably stuff happened with Allison and all of that. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we've seen so far, unless they decide to add other elements in, that, like, nothing really changes. Maybe the reason why it happens changes in their minds, or not even that, because the reason why Scott got bitten hasn't changed. He just doesn't remember why exactly it happened. So the fact that Allison died because of Void Styles and the Oni hasn't changed. That still happens, but they don't necessarily remember the details. There are, there are holes there. So, yeah, it's very interesting, but considering Claudia's presence, I do see how these two could have somehow grown closer because of that or, you know... I don't know. It's it's a little hard like to, to figure out at the moment. Would have been an automatic no-go zone, you know, between her and Sheriff because he's, like, happily married. It just wouldn't have mm-hmm. had that atmosphere at all, so. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, very interesting. Um, but he doesn't just come back to Beacon Hills to make Melissa I, coffee and... I literally thought that they were sleeping together. Sorry. But, like, she comes <laughs> down and is like, oh, you're in my kitchen. I literally thought it was like he'd just gotten out of bed before her, if you know what I mean. I was just like, whoa, okay. And then I realized that she, he'd actually just broken into the house, which is, like, 
I don't know, question mark, better, worse. I don't know, one of them. Yeah, Um, yeah. I'm not sure. (laughs) I loved her line, too, about, like, he's like, I need you to help me get into the morgue. And she's like, you can only break into kitchens? Like, that was really funny, too. But they do head to the morgue to investigate the body of the driver. And they see that his head was crushed by the jaws of a powerful werewolf. And the only thing that was taken was, is it the pineal gland? Yeah, pineal Pineal, um, which is thought to be the seat of the soul. And, of course, at the end of the episode, we see Mr. Douglas eating this. He attacks a janitor, and he eats one fresh. Also very disgusting. Uh, Um, So do you think that this gland makes him a more powerful alpha, or do you think it's doing something else to him? I thought it might be... uh helping heal him in some way that he need like that he's been so wrecked by the tank that he you know because the dread doctors literally sucked stuff out of him for all of those years they used his essence yeah. you know like so he he's probably missing a few bits you know and uh, <laughs> and sorry well i don't know i just thought that maybe he could uh, you know, maybe he needs these things to, like, get some semblance of humanity back, if you know what I mean. Like, so, like, in order for him to even get back to his human self, um, or that, you know, or just to help heal him um, in general. Uh, but it, it, it scientifically, it, you know, does melatonin and stuff like that, like, so, like, the sleeping and, and stuff like that. Um, but the stuff about the soul is also, like, real, like, in a philosophy kind of way. Um, like, Tina Wolf didn't just make that up. But I feel like, yeah, it's got to do something with healing him, maybe. Like, allowing him to, to function. Like, I, I, I don't think it's just doing it to get, get his kicks, but m- maybe he is. I don't know. Can I just say that this was some of the freaking grossest stuff I've ever seen, though? Like, the, like, yeah. cr- Chris... Like breaking the guy's neck, to, like the, the corpse's neck, to like turn it around, and then then peeling off like the layers of like flesh on the back. Oh my god, it was so gross. I was not. Yeah, happy about uh, I it. and I blame Will for that. Like I you know, that's Will's fault. He he always tries to push that grossness and the violence and all of that. And like I appreciate it because I like those things, but that doesn't mean it still wasn't freaking gross. So. Thanks, Will. Awesome job. Disgusting. (laughs) But yeah, that was pretty much it for the episode. Um, Next week's trailer looks intriguing, and we're just going to have to see what comes next. Hopefully more clues, and we'll keep speculating. We'll keep probably throwing out tons of theories that'll never come true. Oh, I would like to shout out one moment before we finish up which is that we haven't talked about um, much about the stupidity of Liam's party before, uh, except for my favourite moment. Uh, but can I just say that one, one of the, the best moments for me in this episode uh, was when they quote-unquote stole the party, like when Malia's like new lacrosse boyf it was like, you stole my party. Uh, and I was, for a second I was like, how do you steal a party? And then I realised that they'd had the party instead of him having the party or whatever. Just whatever. And then um, 
And then he was like, how do you just expect me to take that? And Mason, all smooth as hell, was just like in hundreds and offers him this cash to yep. shut up. And it was so smooth. And how do these kids have hundreds of dollars in cash? But, oh. I, I was like... wondering that, too. <laughs> Although his father is a doctor. Yeah. It's... Maybe he stole no, it. <laughs> no, Liam's father's a doctor. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, maybe, Sorry. Maybe Mason's father is a doctor, too. Maybe that's how they know each other because they weren't at the same school. But... Why did they have all that cash? Um, but anyway, that was really hot. It was really, like, it was so smooth and beautiful. So I just wanted to mention that before we finish up. Yeah. By the way, next week's episode is called Relics, which makes sense because we know that they're going to find Styles' relics. Like, they, we see the Jeep in the promo oh. and all of that. Yeah, okay. So. And the week after that is called Radio Silence. Oh, Alright, that's stressful. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, actually, hang on a second. We have a synopsis for next week. Um, Scott and Liam protect the lacrosse team from an attack by the Ghost Riders while Lydia searches for clues that lead her closer to finding Styles. I it looked like in the trailer that Liam is taken. I don't know if that was clever. Yeah, I don't know if that was clever editing. It could have been, definitely could have been, but kind of looked like it to me. So that'll be interesting to see if that happens. Yes, it will be. Because I'm assuming that multiple more people will. Uh, Mm -hmm. The... I think I might be on a plane during radio silence, or maybe I will have just landed. We'll see. We'll have to work out a recording for that. Okay. But, yeah, that wraps up this week, so... Yeah, that's us, I guess. We're, we're finished, and uh, I believe we had some asks in the Tumblr ask box that we're going to be posting some answers to soon, um, which were good. And, yeah, do, was it you that live-tweeted this week, or was it Danielle? It was Danielle. Yeah, I, I see. I get all these alerts on my phone of, like, crazy <laughs> yeah. live tweeting. And then I'm like, no, I oh can't my watch it. I'm spoiled. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, maybe I have to, uh, un- like, because I, I have the account logged in on my phone. So maybe I have to mm-hmm. un- unlog in. So, yeah. yeah, my phone always blows up <laughs> Tuesday nights because we're live tweeting and I get notifications for that. I get notifications for Teen Wolf, like, their account. And then Sweet Vicious has been doing, like, Q&As leading up to their episode, so they're doing Q&As during Teen Wolf airing, and I'm like, guys, my phone is going to explode. Mm. (laughs) Like, literally, it's going to explode. Mm. But it's fun. Okay. Alright, so So, yeah, we'll talk to you guys again next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hey, this is Jeff Davis. You're listening to Not Another Teen Wolf podcast, my favorite podcast in the world. All right, let's let's go. I I, I, I let's let's start. You okay. good to start? You want um, me to? Yeah, yeah. My, my voice. Do you want me too, to host? Yes, my voice is too glucky. Sorry. It's what? 
too gluggy. Like I've got that in the back oh. of my throat. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I just sneezed really hard like five times in a row. And so I feel like I have like a sexy rasp to my voice right now. Or <laughs> 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 a great pair. Kristen told us all this gossip about you on Not About the Weather. That was really good. What? What? I asked what her gossip? to. I asked her to. Um, I, I asked her to give us some, uh, spill some secrets about you. And she told us that the way that you arrange your bookcases is really strange. Um, Wait, why? She, she didn't say it was strange. I mean, she wasn't mean about it, but she was like, <laughs> I've never seen anyone do it like this before. And that you don't do it by size, that you're very strictly alphabetical, but that you have it all in like a two read shelf and then a, like the different categories of like whether you've read the books or not. Yeah. That's fine. Is that weird? I, I don't feel know. like that's very organized. It's it is in a way. It's just different people have different ways of thinking something's the most organized. Yeah. <laughs> I like that that was her like uh thing though that she cuz I was just like, you know, she got any weird secrets or or no, I think I asked uh what's the biggest thing that like when you started living together um you were like, "What? You do that like that?" Like, you know, like in terms of like regular <laughs> household life like and that was what she came up with. <laughs> I mean, if that's the worst thing there is to learn about it me, certainly then. certainly wasn't necessarily a criticism. It was just, it was really fun. <laughs> it was really funny. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I'll have to go listen to that episode then. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get this started. Mm-hmm.